How's it going out there in the world? I think I see Zen out there. It's kind of exciting. Where's the PC? <laughs> Does that mean Oklahoma City? Mm -hmm. Sam is done. Chapter two of the tutor. That's pretty good. Gary's having miserable weather. Our weather is bad this morning, and then now it's uh, getting a little bit better over here. Wonderful city of yeah, Albany. It's kind of awful and hot and humid around here. I mean, what's interesting is uh, it's great piping weather. It's just hard to exist in this weather. So uh, today we're going to talk about man versus band practice and how and just all the different sort of things that go into uh, preparing ourselves as individuals. So, so this is not a new reality show where you go around to every band practice on the planet and, <laughs> and confront pipe majors across the globe. That would be cool. That would be fun, <laughs> would be fun if there was a new reality show about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. Let's go through some of the things that we do to get ready for band practice. And we certainly want to hear lots of um, input from you guys out there as well. But the different things that we're doing uh, to have a good band practice and then maybe um, others of us here can have some aha moments. Okay. So uh, let's get started with uh, before band practice. What sort of things do we need to do leading up to a band practice uh, in order to be well prepared and in order to make sure we have the stuff down. Uh, why don't you go first, Vin? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm like just working. I, I do a pipe check routinely, right? That's that's sort of number one as you're Think about like a week. Sure. Let's pretend it's a, a week to a month week before out. band practice. You know, like what are you doing? What are you doing like way out, you know, like out in the what? cosmic cloud? What are you doing out there? Yeah, well, way on. You're making sure you have a grasp of the repertoire, right? You're making sure you have an understanding of the music. There's no uh, sort of doubtful bits um, that you're prepared sort of musically, and you're working on that, right? So as you're leading up, you're sort of building up, um, sort of layering in all those different things that you need to know in the repertoire. So when you reach band practice point, you're ready to go, you know? Um, so, you know, preferably for a week out, you're, you know, sort of every, all the layers are in place and uh, you're rehearsing the, the routine, right? So what are the, the layers? Well, you know, like music, I mean, I guess repertoire, like whatever that might mean for you. I mean, say, pick, say an MSR, um, you're making sure it's sort of musically, if we're, if we're like, say, maybe at the early start of the season or if we're at a sort of a band practice that's sort of in the middle of the season, they're going to be different sort of requirements, I guess. But um you know, as you're as you're building up to a band practice, if you're sort of just learning the material or if you're already know the material and you want to prepare and polish, you're sort of working on those parts that I guess that you need to, 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 to polish. So you're ready, like say if you need more, you know, stress pay pulsing or you need to have a better memorization of the reel or something like that. You're sort of building up on that and sort of sort of layering those in. Not all at once, in other words, you know, so you're not picking every practice session and just dumping that into your, you know, into your hour and a half or whatever. You're sort of working on it in, in methodically to the point where, so when you get to band practice, you know you're ready to go, you know? 
all those sort of rough bits are ironed out and you're sort of ready to sort of work as a group, you know, as part of the group. Yeah, I, I think that's good stuff. I mean, um, some folks here, daily practice regimes. Pipe, okay, what is the practice regime, though? Like that's, I think that's a gray area for people, um, and I can offer some insights here. Uh, bagpipe maintenance, okay. Um, all right, go over tunes and work on memory and possible problem areas. I mean, is um, working on memory, I don't know, when is that a good thing to do versus you know, working on uh, actually improving the tunes and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, I always find that to be like a sort of a, you know, it's a cross-purpose kind of thing. If you're working on the music and you're sort of, you know, sort of hammering out maybe, you know, parts of the reel that you need to, to, to polish out, memorization comes if you're working sort of, you know, focused on the things that you need to work on. Like, you know, whether it's fingering technique, whether it's music, um, the memory is uh, something that just sort of happens after that kind of work. I, that's for me anyway. That's, you know, the initial sort of, me, you know, playing, say, without looking at the music, there's that stage. But then once that's there, if you're making errors or if you're not sort of hitting the right notes, you know, when you're playing it, um, that's not probably not necessarily a memorization issue as much as it is sort of a, a musical grasp of, of what you need to do in those parts. Um, George says here, he's sort of asking, do you need to memorize the music before you can work on the technical side of it? I think that's a myth that you have to be really careful to avoid. I don't think that's true. So here's what a lot of people do, and it's a really destructive pattern, which is music comes out in like, you know, September, and then you have to have it memorized by December or whatever to work on it. It's like, I think um, extending the period of time and, you know, have a music stand where you practice. And even, you know, when uh, we were doing or and more, you know, I was encouraging bringing music stands to practice throughout the winter so that if you didn't have something perfectly memorized yet, you know, you could have it and look at it because it's so much more important uh, to focus on the technical side and let the memorization come naturally. Here's another big thing that I do, um, which is not, um, it's not as true anymore because I'm getting old and a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a little bit seasoned now and I, um, you know, and I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. But one of the big things, here's something everybody should do, which is find your favorite recording of your band playing and make sure it's on your playlist that you listen to several times a day. Uh, that's the easiest, best and most complete way to memorize anything is uh to get it onto the playlist where you're listening to it a bunch. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to do, obviously. You have to listen to it. The material is, is new, you know. You've got, like, brand new material, and it's thrown at you, and, and there's no recordings yet, and it's a little bit difficult. It's a different situation there. But if you're just repeating, like, I, for me, that was exactly what I did, you know, uh, when I got the, you know, the band material. That was just, I, I just, there were, you know, recordings of the band playing, all that stuff, and I just listened to it over and over again just so I had, a, had that feel in my head, you know, so when I started working on the material, it was, I knew exactly what was, what, what would I was going for, you know, uh, musically. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get it on the playlist for sure. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And if I'm ever going to play like, um, if I, and, and, you know, sometimes you don't have the perfect example, uh, in which case you got to make your own. 
or you got to call up your bagpipe teacher and have them help you make one of your own uh, or something like that, right? So like, uh, for example, and this isn't obviously a band-related thing, but if I'm going to play P-Brock, right, if I'm going to play a certain P-Brock, I need to find a recording of somebody I respect playing that tune so that I can listen through it and start to pick up on some nuances. And it, if, uh, with any luck, maybe I can get a couple of different things. And I'm with Martina here. Jack Lee's resource is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. and sometimes you can find other recordings of P-Brock. Um, that's where it's really important to collect recordings of P-Brock and, and find a network of people because P-Brock is such a no-brainer that way. You know, and that's how you, that's how you get through these tunes consistently without needing to, you know, or, or without making a whole bunch of mistakes. Now, going back to the band, right? It's like if, uh, luckily, we play in a grade one band, Vin, so, you know, we get good, really cool sounding recordings on a regular basis. But I would, I bet you we have 25 people in the pipe core. I bet you less than five of us actually listen through our competition repertoire on a daily basis on a playlist. Um, I don't do it on a daily basis, but I definitely do it several times a week where I'm going through and listening to YouTube videos or listening to MP3s that we made of practice. Yeah. And I, and I do the same thing. I mean, it's like you have to, I mean, it's, it's, it's because there's like, there's little subtleties there that you might not be sure of that when you're by yourself, you're not sort of as ingrained uh, as with as as when you're with the group, you know, like breaks the timing of certain things, um, you know. So listening to that needs, you know, sort of gets cements that in your head and sort of gets you in that groove of being in the group, even when you're by yourself, you know. So, yeah. absolutely. So I, I think that's the number one thing, and I'm doing that. Like that's something that I'm doing habitually, and I'm doing it a lot leading up to key practices or performances. Is listening to those things, right? If you're an out-of-town player, you're always hassling the pipe major for recordings, uh, you know, if you want to be a great player. One more anecdote about listening to recordings is when I first joined the SFU Pipe Band in 2002, um, I had to learn like over two hours of material, MSRs, medleys, and a whole bunch of concert stuff, right? My single solitary approach was I got all my music organized in a binder, and then I got all the recordings queued up on a playlist and I would literally go through with my electronic pipes, uh, you know, that I could tune to the different recordings. I would literally go through and just play through the binder, just play through it. Um, and some of them, some of them were easy off the bat. Some of them were hard off the bat, but you do that for a month or two months or three months and suddenly all but just a few spots are doable, right? Um, it should be the same thing in your band. And uh, you need to start an underground uh, society for uh, recordings. So um, so there you go. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing you need to do a week out. You know, um, it's not a week out, but you know what I'm saying? Like like just yeah. in the background. What I'm, We're talking about the background things that we need to do to get ready for ba uh, band practices is we need to, uh, we need to do everything we can to um, completely immerse ourselves in the music so that, uh, there's no way we can get it wrong. Right. Because it's easy to get uh, off track, right? If you're by yourself and there's big distances between practices, you know, it's easy to sort of be doing things and, and just sort of get off on a tangent, playing something a certain way that's not the way the band is presenting it. And without hearing that repeatedly and sort of reinforcing it, you're, you, it's easy to sort of like build that bad habit, you know? 
So it's you have to constantly listen, you know. Yeah, it's always ironic, right? Like I remember, you know, I taught a lot of kids bands, right? It's always ironic. They could probably sing the entire Taylor Swift um, catalog to you, uh, memorized with no problems, but they have trouble memorizing their bagpipe music. Well, what's the biggest? Uh, what's the biggest thing? What's the biggest difference between how they go about uh, memorizing pop music and how they go about memorizing their band music? Well, um, you don't try to memorize pop music from a sheet of paper, right? right? Instead, that pop music is ingrained in your daily life and it's just always happening and it's always coming back on the radio or maybe you even have it on your iPod list and you can listen to it as much as you want and then suddenly uh, things just start to happen and you start to understand it. I think that's especially a lot of the younger people in our band, Ben, they kind of look at me like a little bit of a freak sometimes um, in just to, in the degree um, that, you know, I'm presenting stuff. And the same goes with, with other leadership figures in the band. But um, what's overlooked is just how much we've integrated this music into our lives. Like, you know, the probability I'm going to make a mistake, uh, you know, in Mrs. McPherson of Inveran is extremely low because mm-hmm. that's so well integrated uh, into my mind and into yeah. my own personal culture. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting that, thing, you know, like um, like Clan McRae, right? It's, it's one of those tunes that you've heard like a gazillion times, and if you, you're experienced and you've been out there, it's just like, you know, now it's just rolling off <laughs> your head because now you're looking at the music and you sort of focus on the band presentation, but the notes are all there. They just have to be put in the right order, you know, and, and you're, and you're all in, off and running, you know. And, I, and that, that is, the, and that's the difference. Like if you're just starting out, you don't have that kind of exposure. Um, but so you have to build it. You know, you have to really sort of develop it and and go out and seek it. You know, um, and there's definitely, I mean, these days there's like almost no excuse. You know, no matter how experienced you are, to you know, to find, you know, media of some kind that 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 relates to what you're doing musically. You know, whatever whatever tune it is, whatever piece it is, um, there's always somewhere to find some example some exemplar that you could use as a, as a template, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think the theme here is, you know, really immersing yourself in the music of your band um, is, is really, really important. Here's one of the biggest mistakes you could ever make ever, which is um, to show up to band practice as your primary mode of practicing. Um, I don't want you in my band. If you're going to be like that, yeah. right? Uh, you know, but you know what I'm saying. So um, the biggest mistake people make, or the biggest mentality problem people have in pipe bands, is that uh, band practice is actually where they go to practice uh, their piping, yeah. and that that's like the designated time that they pipe during the week. That that is the number one killer and number one thing that you can never ever do. And I think like, I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, it's totally. I mean, I think it's a t- it's a cultural thing. I think. Over the years, I mean, everybody's sort of acculturated to the point the, where we expect band to fix whatever we're doing wrong, you know, whatever we're doing. And if it, it makes and you may think it not, doesn't sound right. Right. You'll be playing. It's like, oh, that's not right. But I'll wait till band practice and I'll get corrected by my pipe major or whoever's teaching the band. And they'll tell me what I'm doing wrong. And that's that's been the culture for years in all kinds of bands at all levels. And it's really about, you know taking your own music and making it your own and, and, and sort of taking that self-initiative and, and, and working on it yourself, building that awareness of what you need to do to be better or to be, you know, a contributing member of the group. Um, 
And that's and that's a diff, that's a big split, you know, the two different mindsets there. And I, you know, hopefully, you know, you would want to work to make one the dominant one and push aside the other. I guess, you know. Yeah. If you're gonna play in a band, right? You need to take the rehearsal time, and then you need to find like five times that amount of time outside of that in order to prepare. Okay. And and not all of it has to be time on your full pipes. But let's say band practice is two hours a week. You need to find another 10 hours during the week to develop your playing. Some of that time can be on practice channel. Some of that time can just be like thinking, you know, uh, you know, working on the mental game or listening through the music or, or getting lessons on your solo material that makes you a better player that allows you to be a better band player or something like that. Um, yeah. So Nate's a good example of a long distance player. And I sure hope that he is pounding his pipe major endlessly for updated recordings um, that you can just put on the playlist and listen through and think about. Um, when you have the full band with harmonies and drums and all that kind of stuff can be distracting. That's not true. If you're getting a recording, right, that gives you the opportunity to really familiarize yourself with all the different drumming and harmonies that's going mm -hmm. on. You yeah, have you know, to, you have to, yeah, and, and you'll nothing will be a surprise at that point. You know, you're not just playing it. It's not, when you show up at band practice, it's not going to sound like a practice chanter, you know, and it shouldn't sound like a practice chanter in your head when you're playing. By the time you get there, um, yeah. it, should, it should sound like it's supposed to sound. You know. Okay, let's uh, let's change gears a little bit here. Um, let's change gears a little bit. How about um, how about the day of practice? Uh, are we just going to the day of or like right as practice is approaching? Are we going to go to practice and then sort our instrument out? Or are we going to do something different? <laughs> well, your pipes got to be ready to go out of the box. When you pull them out, it's time to go. They got to go. So you have to make sure that any issue that might sort of interfere with that is taken care of. They have to be you know, working at peak efficiency by the time you get there. Because um, you can't, you know, practice time is valuable. The band time is valuable. So it's, you know, you can't, the minute you're using it to fix a read or change a read, um, fix some problem with your bag, I don't know, whatever, pick, a, pick, pick something. <laughs> We've seen it all in the last month. Thinking about it. <laughs> um, and why is it that, why is it that the people that show up 15 minutes late are also the people whose pipes aren't even, haven't even been played in a week? It's always the same people. Yeah. It should tell you. So. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I don't know. I, for me, it would, if that happened to me, that would be like embarrassing, right? You would think that you feel self-conscious about that because, you know, you're already there. You're already not doing the business at that point. You know, you're already sort of taking time away from everybody and sort of uh, casting a poor light on yourself even, you know, and that's, how can you not feel sort of, <laughs> something, some sort of social pressure coming down on you when you do that, you know. Um, you know, you got you to be ready to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So let's talk about how to get ready to go. So what are we actually going to do with our bagpipes before practice? And I'll go through my four-step plan right now. And it's the same thing I do every single time. And, like, people are like, yeah, Andrew, okay, whatever. You're Andrew and your pipes just automatically sound good uh, or something like that, or you're super experienced, so it's different for you. No, it's not. Here are the four steps. One, there, it's four questions. Is my bag 
airtight. Two, uh, are all of my joints airtight? It's hard to type airtight. Three, are all of my reed seats airtight? And four, are my drone reeds calibrated? Okay, these four questions I go through, and I don't do it when I get to band. I do it, I do it sometime immediately before I leave for band. And quite literally, folks, like if I haven't been practicing enough during the week, I take 15 minutes before I get in the car, and I play my instrument for 15 minutes, carefully going through these four questions, making sure everything's good so that my instrument shows up in good shape at band practice, and I'm not going to be mm -hmm. a problem, right? Um, is my bag actually airtight? You know, if there's any single solitary doubt in my mind that that bag could be leaking even a tiny, tiny bit, um, I cork it up, I find out, and if I need to, I season my bag. Okay? Mm -hmm. I make sure all my joints are airtight and all my everything is the way it needs to be. Make sure all my reed seats are good. And then um, we're not going to talk about how to calibrate today, but I make sure my drone reeds are taking the perfect amount of air and not one iota more because that'll maximize my steadiness, my tunability, and it'll uh, make sure that I have as much stamina as I need. Yeah, and it really is that simple. I mean, it's not so much a, a, an experience thing either. Like everybody can do this if you're just starting on pipes. <laughs> so if you've been on pipes for a gazillion years, you know, you, you just, if, if you're showing up the band practice and everything is working right, like you just all oh, just on those four points, you're good to go. Now it's now it's a matter of, you know, fingering and, and music and making sure that you've been preparing and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, all the other stuff is just pushed out of the way. You don't have to worry about it. Now you can focus on that other stuff, music, you know, technique, worrying about your stamina and all that stuff. That, you know, you don't have to worry about there's anything getting in the way of that. Yep. These are the big four questions. And by the way, when I get to band practice, even when I've been playing my pipes every single day and they, everything's sounding great. I still ask myself these four questions. I ask them as I am getting my pipes out for the very first time. Is my bag 100% airtight right now? Are all my joints really good right now? Are all my reed seats good? Are my drones calibrated? Those are my four questions, and I do that every time because that makes it a fail-safe, right? That makes it a given that my pipes are rocking. And then mm -hmm. the hard part, as some people are pointing out here, you got to get everyone else in the band on board with that too. Uh, but, you know, that means you review these four questions every single time you start a band practice. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's important. You have to actually think about these things sometimes, you know. It's easy to sort of ignore them. And, you know, I've been guilty of that. You know, the day goes by, you don't do that. Or, But, you know, because I've done it regularly anyway, I know that there shouldn't be any radical alterations in any of this stuff if I don't check it for a couple of days, you know. Right. Um, so it's it's not a, it's not something you need to like. Well, if I'm playing every day, about, you know. Uh, yeah, and if you do it every day, um, that means read. You know, going through this process is as quick as just going through the questions in your brain. Mm -hmm. So it takes about 15 seconds, and then you're good to go. You know, everything feel tight. Is it, are the joints tight? You know, are my reed seats good? Yep. Are my joints calibrated? And we do our quick calibration test. To find out, uh, you yeah. got to make sure you do the test properly. Uh, but um, but there you go. Yeah. So I mean, that's you, the biggest one the, thing. Yeah, one uh, of the key things too, that just as a, an aside for these, you know, 
building habits that automatically roll these in as even, a, you know, it becomes, if you're doing, if you're not looking at any of these components on your instrument, then you're, you're not thinking, even if you're asking these questions, you have to be able to take out your joint you take apart your joints, take out your reeds, put them back in. If you're doing those kinds of things regularly anyway, like I always take everything apart, swab it once and then put it away. So I already know when I put my reeds back in, they're in their, their, their reed seats are tight, you know, and they're not going anywhere. So I already know that when I put my drones back in the stocks, I know the stocks are tight already. I haven't even asked myself the question. I just know when I put them in, if they're too loose, I'm going to, I'm going to notice that and I'm going to fix it. Um, so how many people, um, how many people leave the house, uh, eat breakfast before they leave the house? Right. Uh, pre almost everybody does that. And if you don't do that, uh, you have some other important routine that gets you going. Maybe it's just a cup of coffee or something. But like we all have these morning routines that we do, right? Uh, and the more the more successful you are, uh, the more uh, established and smart your morning routine is. It's just the way it's just the way that it is, right? It's just the way that it is. So you know you have to eat breakfast before you leave the you leave the house. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems. Yeah, that's got it. I typically I sometimes. I'm guilty of not doing that, and I always regret it when I don't do that. <laughs> Playing the pipes before you leave the house, before you go to your gig, you know. Um, it's, it's, it always helps. It really does. Just make sure you're ready to go. You know, one of the things is it's not your responsibility as a band member to be perfectly tuned. Uh, it's your In high-level bands, it's your responsibility to be pretty close and in the ballpark. But it's like that's not your priority. Your priority is making sure that you have the best possible instrument you can that's yeah. worth tuning. I mean, one of the, one of the typical problem too is like people who practice their channel read. Maybe they got a new read, or maybe it's you know not so new, and but it, they're struggling with it at home, and they show up to band practice and they say, you know, my read's too hard. Now you now you're spending 20 minutes setting up a new brand new read. You know, don't leave band practice if it's not right for you because before you get to the next practice, there's going to be a lot of individual work that you're going to be doing with point. that read. Yeah. And so don't, you know, you fix it before you leave band practice because those, that's, that's the brain trust right there. That's, these are the people that are going to help you uh, get the right thing in place. So take advantage of that, you know. Habit does definitely does not imply uh, no conscious thought for me, right? Habit for me is habitually, consciously thinking about the right things. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it habits another word for me. It's another word for routine, right? It's things that you just do regularly, you know, um, automatically, you know. Like, yeah, a like bad saying, habit. Breakfast in the morning. I, that's that's what I. That's the way I use habit. You know, that habit is just routine things that you're doing, semi, you know routine semi-automatically you know like you're just sort of just going do it because that's what you do every morning you brush your teeth right you uh you know eat breakfast before you leave the house i mean these are you're not automatically doing no it thoughtlessly you're just you know you're doing it because that's what you do every day <laughs> you know i think we maybe we should just uh maybe we should just check our dead genitions there <laughs> <laughs> sorry Greg, just to there. all right so um uh, yeah, well, Gary, you may or may not have a point there. Not overly worried about the semantics of it at this point. Um, now, what about what about when we get to band practice? What do we need to do? Here's one thing that bothers me to no end. 
uh, is you get to band practice and you start socializing. Mm. Okay. Just right before you socialize, you know, just make sure everything's ready to go first uh, and make sure your instrument's actually good. Uh, and if you're going to play practice channels for a while, you know, uh, and this goes for pipe majors too, uh, play the pipes for a few minutes first, make sure everything's working, then play practice channels. It's actually a great strategy for a variety of reasons, uh, but nothing's worse than when it's time to get the pipes out, uh, there being a handful of people that uh, aren't, ready, aren't really ready to go, and they take 15 extra minutes to get going. So, so make sure everything is in place before you start to socialize and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, it's it's about distraction too. You want to be focused and ready to be working, really, to make maximum use of the time. You know, and you know, socializing is fine, chit chat, whatever, in the beginning before when you first get there. But during the course of the practice on the day, you know, you want to be focused and ready to work. So you want to be minimizing your distractions, whether it's you know things that are sort of upsetting your uh, your you know your mindset, whatever. It's like talking to people and wandering around and checking your phone and <laughs> all kinds of other things like that, you know, just sort of distract you. You have plenty of time to do that. Now, you know, for the time you're going to be there, at least participate from beginning to end. That's always my sort of philosophy about it. Um, and if everybody's doing that, you know, how, how can you not succeed <laughs> in your goals that day, you know? Found some synonyms. Or habit there. Routine is one of them, right? Or a convention. Yeah, pattern. You know, yeah, it's a pattern. It's not a thoughtless pattern. It's just a thing that you do the same way every time. <laughs> yeah. If it's thoughtless, I agree with Gary though in that if your habit is thoughtless, uh, it's not a good habit. I'm with him on that one. Yeah. Okay. Do the drummers practice with or separately from the pipers? Um, I think it depends on what the goals of the practice session are. Uh, but generally speaking, right, in order to get the pipe core set up properly, it's most productive for the drummers not to be there for that uh, that point. Um, yeah, Stephen, I'm with you 100%. I think one of the big themes of today is make sure your bagpipe is good before practice. One of the big yeah. themes I hope everybody takes home. Yeah. And, you know, and take the time to fix it, whatever it is. You know, if you're if anything's out of place, you know, you're going through your routine and there's anything that's out of place, whatever it might be, you know, take the time at home to fix it. Even if it interferes with the, your playing time or whatever, just do it. <laughs> just take care of it and it'll be ready. You know, everything will be set up, set up for the next time you actually blow up and play. And so you can maybe spend yes. more time playing, you know. Here's an open-ended question for all of you, and it'd be interesting to hear what people's answers are. But if you had to, if you had to, uh, if you had to boil everything that you do at band practice down to one simple thing, one simple goal, what is the one simple goal that you're trying to achieve when you're playing in the band, you know, and therefore when you're at band practice? If you had to boil it down to, I'll, I'll allow you two words to define what's your goal when you're at band practice. Go. <laughs> Let's see what kind of responses we get. That's four words. That's three words. <laughs> yeah, Martina's cheating, but yeah. 
These are all good. These are all good. Some of them has have holes in them. See, Dan, Dan did it in one word. He said unison. Um, tunable pipes. Okay, Siri, but what about the finger work? Right? Mm. Ultimate sound. Okay, don't forget about finger work. Unison playing. What about the unison of your instrument with other instruments? Improve the quality of playing. Um, okay. Know the tunes. Okay, well, what about bagpipe quality, right? So uh, my big one, my, my simple solitary goal, every single moment on that band, is one goal. And all the other things I do stem from that goal. And that goal is really simple. For me, it's uh, perfect unison. That's the goal when I'm in the pipe core, right? And that's on the assumption that uh, I'm not the, the pipe major. The, the pipe major's goals are a li- little bit different, right? Uh, but perfect unison is the objective at all times when you're at band practice. Therefore, everything that we do while we're preparing, uh, right before we leave for band practice, when we get to band practice, and when we're actively playing in the band, Everything that we do has to help us achieve this goal. Okay, so let, let me give you some examples. First of all, you got to know all the music inside and out so that there's no question what note comes next, right? Uh, one person earlier was talking about uh, circling notes on the page if they're playing the wrong note, okay? Playing the wrong note is really not an option, uh, you know, or not knowing the notes is really not an option because... My objective is to create perfect unison, okay? Or having technical, having serious technical issues with my playing, also not an option because I'm trying to create perfect unison, okay? And the same goes with the tuning and the steadiness of my blowing. Why do I do all of those things? I do all of those things in order to create perfect unison with the band. Let's look at some of your responses here. You know, work together, be ready sound alike. All of these things are offshoots of this idea of perfect unison. So everybody's correct, uh, but make sure that that's the, the ultimate goal. So, you know, with, with that said, right, let's talk about when we're at band practice and we're actually playing through the sets. What are we, uh, what are we focused on? What are we trying to do? Uh, let's hear some thoughts on that. Good. Siri, let's talk about that. Focusing on the pipe major's fingers. First of all, um, that's a great point. You always want to focus. Kevin Beaumont was talking about this the other day, too. You always want to focus on the pipe major's fingers and not the pipe major's foot. Okay? The pipe major's foot is a backup to watching the fingers. Right? The pipe major's foot can give um, a signal of body language or something coming. But remember, watching the fingers gives you the best chance at perfect unison. Okay, that's, um, that's just something that I've discovered over the years. So the foot is good, right, to give you cues, but as far as what you're actually focusing on, it's the fingers. Okay. Uh, and then Beth brings up a great point. We're not watching the fingers, right? We are using the fingers as like a direct image of ourselves so that we're actually creating unison and not reacting. We don't want to watch the fingers and then do something. That would not be good unison. We need to watch the fingers as like, you know, as a way to predict how to be exactly where we need to be all the time, right? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, 
you don't have to stare at the pipe major's fingers all the time. Okay. Uh, once you establish a groove and once you figure out where you need to be and what that feels like, uh, you actually don't, you can actually, you know, take the focus off the fingers and just follow the groove. Okay. And so, um, you know, and then you're just regularly checking back in with the fingers, especially if anything starts to get a little bit fishy. And, th and those are the things that you're, you know, that only can be done at band practice, right? You know, think about like you can prepare yeah. everything in the world, you know, at home and individually, you're ready to go. You're everything is polished and you've done all your work. But, the, you know, what are the things that why are you going to band practice if, if you're good and everything's perfect? <laughs> you know, why do you need to go to band practice? You just show up and play. Right. Well, it, it, these are the things. Right. It's that building that perfect unison, like blending, you know, being part of the group and feeling that groove and, and knowing, you know, what it means to you is the only thing that can be achieved by being there at practice. Yeah. One of the things that's always frustrated me about having a long distance band is, is that when every individual gets that band practice, the focus has to be rehearsing the things that you need to rehearse that you can only do in the group. So if you're having a bad technique spot, or if you didn't listen to what was talked about at the last practice and you've come back either without the habit fixed or just completely oblivious or having completely forgotten about these bad habits or something like that. That's bad. It's really, really bad. That makes you not a good team player. Um, and yet it's sort of rampant in bands of all levels. Because people are losing scope of what the band practice time is really for. And I'm willing to bet that one of the reasons Phil Marshall Montgomery is the undisputed best band in the world is because they have the highest rate of correct attitude at band practice. I would be willing to, I'd be willing to put money on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's every band might have a different, different words for it, but um, you know, Craig Rucker, when he was pipe major bug hall years ago, he, his thing was, you know, everybody has to keep, be committed to the cause. You know, that's like in anything, you know, it's like you have to be, everybody has to be on the same page in their minds about what, what you're doing <laughs> together and why you're all doing this together, you know, like, and so if everybody's focused that way, then things can be directed in the direction that you do to go in and everybody's just, you know, doing it, you know, at that point. And they're not, you know, wondering or doubting or, uh, you know, nervous, you know, because they're not prepared or something like that. If, exactly. if you're committed and you're doing what you need to do, then everybody shows up with the same attitude. So, uh, Beth, I'm going to try to sum up the correct attitude in one sentence. Here's the correct attitude. Um I am doing everything in my power to create perfect unison at all times. That is the correct attitude of a band member. And then following through on that attitude and creating a game plan uh, in order to implement that objective, right? That is, that is the pathway to success, period, right? So, series, you know. series intent and action is good if you're casting a spell for a good tone or good unison, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's everybody's, it has to be there, you know, it has to be that, with that same idea in their head, you know. Um, and when you have a pipe band, right, if, if you're a leadership figure of any kind in a pipe band, and that could be pipe major, pipe sergeant, could be bass drummer, could, and it could just be that guy that people in the band look up to. 
right? If you hold that leadership position, um, you know, of any kind, um, you have to do whatever you can to instill that attitude in others. You have to lead by example by making sure you're always prepared to create the best possible unison at all times. And then you have to demand that of others. You have to, because if others aren't with the program, the band can't move forward and the band uh, is not going to be a happy band. The the happiest bands. Happy band. (laughs) You would be amazed how fast improvement happens when you actually get people aligned uh, to the same attitude. And it's hard. It's, it seems like a hard thing to do, but is it really? Yeah. It's it, it, it well yeah I mean I, Beth says it I, it's not really hard but it is in a sense where I think because it's um you know it's it's directly correlated to your I guess your level of of goals you know the band's goals and the band's activity so if you're Create you know perfect unison there's yeah, only I mean, one perfect <laughs> that's true <laughs> but it's it's hard to get everybody on that same page depending on the uh, the level of activity and the demands at work I think. Maybe it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. I think we just all make all sorts of different excuses as, yeah. as to exactly right. We make it hard by not boiling it down to what it needs to boil down to. Um, and you have to do that. It might be hard to get started. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to uh, alienate a couple people in order to get the ball turned around. And the people you're going to alienate are the ones who, um, you know, who are better than the other players, and uh, they use the band as an excuse to be lazy. Yeah. It's not challenging, Beth, as long as you're willing to let the ones go that aren't willing to change. Yeah, and and it's and it, and it really boils down to sort of simple things, right? You know, if everybody's committed to, you know, making perfect unison and dedicated and committed to the band and what they're doing, you know, the ones who aren't <laughs> become clear, you know, the ones who don't want to do the work, who don't want to be prepared when they show up, I think they are prepared when they're really not. Um, they, those people become obvious, you know, they, they, because they stand out and, you know, that either needs to be remedied or, uh, yeah, it's, you know, thing changes. Here's an example. Happen. Let me give you an example of a group of people uh, that uh, have had success with this model. And they're called the Inverurian District Pipe Band. Um, like 10 years ago, uh, the vast majority of the band couldn't even play. And just through a consistency of objective and instilling that objective in every single member, uh, they're the second best band in the world 10 years later. Like now, and most of us, most of us aren't even, you know, that concerned with being the best band in the world. We, most of us just want to have a strong band that's moving forward, right? Yeah. It's not hard to do. Um, reestablishing a group, right? That seems to be the challenge. Uh, but the way I look at it is this. If you're not here to get better, you shouldn't, you know, if you're not here to get better uh, and to align with the band's goals, then you shouldn't be here. Sorry. We can meet up later after band practice uh, for a drink or two to catch up, but you don't belong in the band. Yeah. 
And you hear that you hear that that kind of situation a lot, and especially in lower grade bands. You know, when bands get pretty good, and you know they're they're sort of making really good things happen, and everybody's really excited. Um, there's always that cluster of people that have been at it for years because they like playing parades or whatever, and now the band is really sort of moving forward in ways that demand more of them in terms of work, personal work, and attention uh, to their to their playing. And it, there's always that friction. It always creates friction, and it always creates um, ill will. A, you know, here's a potential aha moment for some folks, right? Who are your best players in the band, right? The best players are not the people who currently sound the best. They are the people who are most committed uh, to getting better and to trying to create perfect unison. Right? Uh, it doesn't matter how a person sounds. If they are not aligned with the goals of the group, they have to go. <laughs> yeah. And then, and Siri, it is a this is a it's great a challenge. It definitely is. Everybody's saying it's like it's challenging, and, and, and it is a challenge. And it's not a, a challenge. It's, it's not that easy. It's not that hard, but it's still challenging for some for, for groups and people to sort of navigate it, overcoming that friction that inevitably comes with that kind of you know change. You know? It is not hard, right? It is something. But it is not hard. Well, I just said uh, challenges like, don't necessarily have to be hard, you know? Right. It's, right. But it's not hard. It's not hard to figure out. It's not rocket science. Uh, it could be painful. Uh, you know, <laughs> it could be painful, but it's really not like, it's not tricky and it's not difficult. Siri says, it's hard here in the desert because the member pool is so slim. Newsflash, go get more members. People out there all over the world are dying to be part of teams where people show up with the objective of, you know, working towards some sort of goal. And have fun while doing it. You know, that's, that's important. Go get more members. <laughs> Go get more members. It's not that hard. Like, you know, if I tried, and for less than 50 bucks, I could start, I could start a beginner program. Right? All it would take is a couple hours of my time each week and probably like $50 worth of printed flyers. You could do it. We just choose not to, right? Because so-and-so, you know, because we have enough, we have enough players. Well, you don't because you have to cut half of them because they have bad attitudes. Go get more members and, and uh, teach them to have good attitudes. That's right. And then you said an example, right? You said a cultural example that people then need to adapt to if they want to be a part of it. If, if they change their minds at some point, you know, they say, okay, well, I'm going to do Here's, here's what you do. So Nate's saying, where do you solicit? Well, you start where it's really easy. So here, here's what everybody can do, right? Here's what everybody can do is you can go and you find the people with good attitudes in your band. And what you do is you say, you know, um, say, I'm going to start a free beginner class on Tuesday nights. Uh, I'm going to teach a free beginner class for an hour. I'm going to teach four classes. Okay. And teach four classes. And what you do is you find, uh, you find 10 people in your band that have good attitudes. And if you don't have 10, you find five. And you ask all of those people to get five people out to that beginner class. Beginner class is free. Remember that. Right? So if you have 10 people in your band that can get five people out to beginner class, uh, guess how many people you just got to your beginner class? People love free. You know? People love free. And, oh, and everyone, like everyone, everyone is interested in trying bagpipes for free. 
uh, if you pitch it the right way. Everyone. I, I can cite, or, yeah, I can cite or, uh, numerous examples of people giving free lessons for their band and getting you know, dozens of people showing up. You know, now they don't, not all stick around, but you, it's not hard to get the, the word out and get people to show up. And, and then just little by little, you make pick out, you know, a handful of decent people who are Matt, serious about it. You know? Matt brings up another common myth. Out of the 50 people that come to the class, you will only keep a couple. Uh, if you don't keep at least 20 out of the 50, uh, at least to you know sign up for a couple of paid lessons with your band's you know instructor, that means you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? You know what you're trying to do out of this group of 50 people, you're just trying to convince them uh, to now spend a dollar or two uh, taking some formal lessons. Mm. And if yeah. you can't keep 20, if you can't keep 20, that means the next time you do this which should be the very next month, okay? The next time you do it, you need to change what you just did to try and get a higher retention rate. Yeah, and there are a lot of people out there right now. I mean, I could probably name three off the top of my head right now, at least here on the East Coast, that give lessons, but with nothing else as a framework, right? They give lessons to people, and they're giving lessons to numerous students who really, once they learn pipes, are really just learning how to play pipes, they're not. They're not in a band framework. It's there's no sort of like overarching goal where you're you know going to be playing as part of the band and you know the grade five competition band or anything like that. It's it's and they still have like all of these beginners that they're that they're teaching um, just because people want to play bagpipes or they want to try bagpipes, you know. And I think if if you you know you place the sort of group aspect on it, the team aspect, the uh, sort of group camaraderie thing that goes on it, I think it just it becomes that more appealing for people. And I think it's should be should be easy distance think, is definitely uh, a key thing but you know you could overcome that too so for beth right beth says we give lessons for free with the understanding that the student will join the band i think that's a mistake i think that lessons should be uh, i think people should pay for lessons with no obligation whatsoever that they should join a band uh, i think the band joining the band will happen naturally over time now, granted, the first four like free lessons, that's kind of like introduction to the bagpipes. That's something that we do for free in order to gather like good leads, figure out who the people who are actually interested are. But at that point, uh, they have to open the wallet because um, otherwise you're just going to get a bunch of you know uh, freeloaders who aren't committed one way or the other, right? Yeah, and you know, Siri, that that situation, you know, if you're getting lots of students and you're getting them up on pipes and then you're losing them after that, I mean. That's <laughs> can't eat. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. High at that point. Yeah, yeah, and once you get them on pipes, that's when everything takes off. You know, that's now that now they're actually like able to play. You know, the instrument. You know, and I don't know. Then it becomes fun. <laughs> now you're not just blown into a practice jam anymore. Yeah. Now, Nate, I think Nate, that's a good question, right? What do you discuss? How do you structure it? I think that's up to you. I think you have to experiment with different things. Uh, do you talk about competition? Do you talk about parades? Do you do something different? Uh, but uh, yeah, like think about it. Think about what you would want. Think about how you got into piping. Think about all these different things and then structure structure something and play the long game because while it takes effort, it is not rocket science. It takes effort. It takes a little bit of organization. It takes some measurement, right? Make sure you get your spreadsheet out and you're keeping track of how many people 
who come for the free classes end up at the next stage? How many people that hit the next stage end up at the next stage? Keep track of it, tweak it, change what you're doing. Yeah. And I think it's important too to keep people um, aware of where they're going with this too. You know, if your goal is to create a competition band and go out in grade five or four, you know, you should be exposing these students to that some aspect of that, whether it's you know going on a group field trip to a games or you know, making sure Good. that they're aware of where it's, where it all leads, you know, and give them a taste and exposure to that and what they can be doing too, you know, if they stick with it kind of thing. It's, people need that kind of sort of aspirational image in their head too, you know. Tim would die to have that opportunity where he lives. Tim, you are the opportunity, man. Go make it happen. That's the whole point. You don't even have to know. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the dirty little secret. You don't even have to know how to play bagpipes to do this. You don't. We've got this thing. It's called Dojo U, and there's tons of other things out there. And there's tons of other pipers out there who would love to help you from any distance get this program going. You don't even have to know how to play pipes, right? Like you could have, you could hire, you could hire someone in Fiji to do this for you, right? Get you get your people in a room and you have somebody famous teach your free class. Right? You don't even have to know how to play. Or you can just, you know, preferably, you know the ideas behind good fundamentals. You get people started, you make it fun, and then you graduate them immediately to an expert. And all experts are happy to make money. <laughs> That's right? true. All That's of true. them. All of them. I promise you. Especially just, in piping, because you know, there's very little of it out there from pipers. But you know, so it's you know, you gotta grab it wherever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's like you know, there's all all the sort. Of, I don't know how we ended up on this tangent, by the way. <laughs> but it's something I. It's something that's just true. And and every now and then you see it. You see it happen. Um, but it, it's a myth that it's difficult to keep a pipe band going and maintain membership. It's a myth. It's not true. It only yeah. seems true because uh, because we're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, it's you know it's it's funny because again, so for so long people try to do this stuff in a vacuum, right? I think it's important to keep a, a, a broader awareness, right? We're, we're in a global community, as it were, and you know we should you should be aware of what's out there. I'm always shocked by people who just don't know the resources that exist for them out in the world when it comes to this sort of arcane art that we're all doing, you know, it's, it, it really boggles my mind even today in 2015, you know, if you're going to be starting this program and just collecting a bunch of people, you know, together to learn pipes. And the first thing you need to do is find out what's out there for you to do this, you know, and that, that's true for anything you do. Um, but particularly for bagpipes and it's, you can't, it, the more you try to do it yourself and, do it in a vacuum like nothing else around you exists doing it, you, it'll just be doomed to failure, really. I don't think it, it's hard to keep people motivated. It's hard to keep people interested. And, you know, you need that, that broadened horizon, you know, for everything. I agree. All right, let's venture towards wrapping this up. It's a big topic. And like, I, I love, um, I, I love getting in there. Now, um, it's something I really want to do. It probably will happen at some point. It's like I want to I want to try this because I'm so convinced um, that it'll work. And you see glimpses of it, and it's like if you manage to put all that together a little bit better, um, it could really really happen. So yeah. um, anyway, thanks for everybody for pitching in and helping out here. I hope that people have some 
some aha moments and some points of inspiration here from this. Yeah. Better prepared to a, be a positive contributing about, member in their band. I thought about a yeah, I thought about a Dojo University pipe band. It happens online with everybody on their webcams. That's what it is. Like you get in a circle and it'll be just a series of laptops. Yeah. <laughs> That's I don't think so. I think it might be something. It might be something different. Like, like uh, we learn the music throughout the winter, and then like we all meet up in Scotland and then play a couple of the games there over go. there, and then play at the Worlds, and then uh, you know play at the Worlds and then see how we do and do it all again the next year. That would be pretty cool. Martina's like maybe not the Worlds. Why not? What else is there? <laughs> Lee is in. All right. We'll see. There are tons of bands who just, who, where the world is like, we're one of two performances in the entire year. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't be interested in doing it if we uh, didn't do it, like, didn't do it big, you know? Like, we're not going to do all this and then go play at, like, you know, uh, Joe Schmo's uh, country kitchen dance. <laughs> We're not going to do that. That's your reality show right there. The pipe band. Joe Schmo's country no. kitchen dance? <laughs> the, the, the pipe band. The building, the, the, the sort of online virtual pipe band that just shows up and plays the world. Yeah. Maxville's too hot, Martina. I don't want to go to Maxville. Just go to Scotland. For half of us, it's the same price to get to Maxville as it is to Scotland. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyway, I digress. We'll see everybody later, and uh, we'll be back next week with another exciting topic of some kind. Have a good day. If you guys have any ideas of what you want to talk about, be sure to let me know, because we're always looking for doing cool shows. I thought this was fun, so we'll do this again sometime. Excellent. You're welcome, guys. We will catch you later. Thanks, Ben.